ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם לבייס השם. Welcome to the last year Tavshin Ayin Dalit. Next Wednesday night in Yetz Hashem we'll be sitting by our tables, we're sitting in Shul, and we'll be davening, starting our new year Tavshin Ayin Heim Yetz Hashem, Baalin Leteva. Tonight, therefore, the last year of the year. Tishrei this year is a little bit complicated for a change, and therefore we're going to only have a shir and a sesame tshuva. Hashem. And the following week is Sukkis, will be a problem. Arav Yom Tov again. Hopefully, Mitzvah will announce on the Seder Mitzvah when Chalamayd will be able to get together. Atem Nitzav Mayim Kulchem this week is Pashas Atem Nitzavim and Vayelech together. Nitzavim and Vayelech together. We spoke several times of the contradiction Nitzavim and Vayelech Nitzavim of course meaning standing still in one place and Vayelech referring to the moving, the going the travel of a Jew Nitzavim and Vayelech on the other hand is a Jew must stand forcefully and must always be a Helech must always be in journey must always feel that they must travel and must strive to go Mechayel El Choyel from strength to strength Therefore, the Vayelech, the concept of Vayelech, refers to, of course, the Holy Soul, which must be a constant Vayelech, a constant traveler, as Jews live in the constant. feeling of striving and of continuing and of growing. Atem Nitzav Mayim Kulchem tells us that Nitzav, you are all standing here today referring to the entire nation. Nitzav Mayim Kulchem, if Hashem you are standing 
today before God, your God, who's standing here? And the Torah begins to enumerate Rashechem, Shivteichem, Zikneichem, Vishaytreichem, and Kurdish Israel. Your leaders, your tribes, your elders, your officers, every man. <coughs> and it continues to enumerate Tapchem, Nishechem, children, the women. And even the converts who's within your camp. Then goes to another level of Mechaitev Eitzecho Ad Shayev Meimecho The woodcutters to the water carriers. Water drawers, more properly put. What is the Teda pointing out? What is the Teda implying by this great assembly, by this great gathering of all the Jews, all walks of life gathered before the Almighty? And of course, the simple question. What is this different, or rather, perhaps even greater, than when the Jews stood by Har Sinai, by Mount Sinai? At Mount Sinai, the Jews and God entered into a covenant. We were married. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the husband, and Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish nation, the woman. covenant generally is something that binds and commits every Jew to guarantee his fellow Jews observance of the terrorist commandments aside from what a person himself is doing aside from the mitzvahs and the things the person himself needs to do obligations that one needs to complete one needs to also be a guarantor for the other fellow Jew. If you're keeping score at home, Masech the Shavuos, 39 side A, Talmud tells us, Kal Yisrael Arevim, Zelazeh. Everyone is a guarantor. Each and every Jew of Israel is a guarantor for one another. And since that would be the case, it would only be right that we all stand together on our Sinai. So that one is each one is responsible for the other. Um, I'm sure nobody ever took a loan. Nobody ever needed to borrow money from anybody, God forbid. Nobody ever had to just rent an apartment that everybody was able to buy houses with full cash and not have to have any kind of guarantors, any kind of people backing them. 
However, for those that did need, if anyone ever did need, if anyone ever did have to come on to a loan of any sort, common practices that prior to giving a loan, a guarantor is asked for. A guarantor to promise to cover in case, God forbid, the person defaults on the loan. Needless to say, they run a credit check on the guarantor as well. They run a credit check and they follow up what is he worth how much does he have what kind of assets he has because you want to be covered so therefore the guarantor needs to be somebody that is in better condition financially than the person that takes the loan because if not then what is the whole thing worth If a person is in, has less money than the person taking the loan, then obviously nobody's going to listen and ask and say, sure, you want to borrow money? He's going to stand behind you, it's not a problem. And therefore the Torah now enumerates the guarantors. And he enumerates it from top to bottom, from leaders to water carriers. Each and every person, each and every Jew, standing at that point in this juncture, has the capacity to be a guarantor for a fellow Jew. <coughs> and when the Altarebbe explains that each and every Jew, all Jews together are one solid unit, we complete one human body, and just the human body, every organ, every limb, complements the other, and completes the other, looking at the head as a superior limb, and perhaps the heel as the most inferior. But the heel and the legs that one hold up this entire edifice, hold up this entire body, and therefore it does not matter you cannot tell me that any given organ is more important any given body part is more important than the other for each has its values each has its purpose now the language that we said the word that we use as a covenant is set between the Almighty and the Jews, between two people. Who makes a covenant? Who makes a pact? A pact is made between two friends. I've told the story before, so I don't want to be taken for pleasurism of my own sheer. So for those that complain that we've heard this before, you're going to hear it again. 
they were two very good friends. And the very good friends were friends for many, many, many years. And their friendship was not just a friendship, they were like brothers. And they did everything together. They lived together, they, they, they went to work together, school together, everything they did together. One day the two friends are walking together along a beach and one of them turns to the other and does the weirdest of things. He winds up and he just hits him right in the side of the head. Just punches him. The guy falls to the ground being caught off guard. And it was a good hit. And the guy takes a stick that was in the ground, that was there by the ground. And he writes in the sand, Today, on this and this date, my best friend hit me on the side of the head. And they continue walking. As a little while later, oddly enough, it repeats itself. The man gets this urge or whatever it was that went into his brain, and again he hits him in the head. <coughs> and again he knocks him down. Again the fellow brushes himself off, and as he's rising up, he takes again a stick and he puts in the sand today, my friend, this is his date, on the second time hit me in the head now of course the man that did the hitting is very 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 pained is full of remorse and, and would really like to make it up to him they go a little further and the water looked very very tempting so they decided together that they're going to go for a little swim the water was fresh, it was a hot day. The two of them jump into the water. And the fellow that got hit in the head twice lost his footage and slipped and couldn't catch his balance and suddenly found himself being tossed by the waves. He was mortified, he was petrified. He couldn't catch his breath. He couldn't, his arms were flailing. And his friend swimming didn't necessarily see this right away. He was barely able to get audible scream out because the water was in his lungs already practically. He screamed for help. And his friend realized what was happening. He quickly swam over and pulled him out of the water turned them over on his stomach, pumped out the water from whatever he swallowed, ingested. (coughs) And a few minutes later, the man recuperated and he was back to himself. At this point, he went over to a rock, to a stone, 
and he found another small stone and he etched into the stone on this day my friend saved my life from drowning the friend now got very curious and he says to my dear friend when I hit you in the head twice you etched in the sand with a stick that I hit you and now I saved you from drowning and you engraved into a stone that I saved you why? what's the different behavior about? he's dropping the coals and he told them very simply when you hit me in the head I was upset with you but I knew that one day I would forgive you and I wanted to forgive you and therefore I wrote it in the sand so that one good wave will wash over it and it will be wiped out and just like the sand won't have any memory of this I will forget as well and the same with the second hit I wanted to forgive you but when you saved my life I never wanted to forget that and therefore just as I etched it in stone it's etched in my heart and my mind something that I will never forget that you saved my life on this day a covenant is the same a bris between people between two friends is a pact that says, I don't care what happened one day down the line, what I might do to you, what I might say to you, what I might, what someone might say about me, what someone might say about you, what is going to be, what to think about you. I, you and I, will always remain close friends. We will never separate. This is a true covenant. So we read Nitzavim every year on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. Because this is the theme of Rosh Hashanah. We renew the covenant between God and us. <coughs> the tshuva that we do, the heartfelt return that we do to God over the month of Elul, on Rosh Hashanah we capitalize. on this wonderful creation that we've built throughout the month and therefore we ask God enter into this unconditional covenant with us so that no matter what happens in the coming year you will forgive us no matter what I do no matter what happen, what, what action I take and that's why this assembly Atem Nitzav Mayim needs to be made a Sheikhem, Shivtechem, all the way down to Chaytev Itzacha Vishayev Memecha. For everyone enters together. It is a commitment that God makes to each and every Jew. And by being united, and God looking at his children being one, this evokes this unconditional love from God 
and therefore we can show this devotion to one another. Rosh Hashanah is upon us. Next Wednesday night is Rosh Hashanah. And of course, ten days later, Yom Kippur. What's going on? We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to forgive. (coughs) What's it all about? And why? There's always passionate southern associated with Rosh Hashanah. Associated with the beginning of the year with the prayers of Rosh Hashanah which culminate with the greatness of Yom Kippur. I've told this story before of Mendel Futafas. I've told many stories of Mendel Futafas. The man of Futvaz was in prison. And they imprisoned him right after Rosh Hashanah. As they imprisoned him right after Rosh Hashanah, he looked at the, from the upstairs of the window that he was able to see, saw when it became day, when it became night, kept the cheshman, kept the calculation, so that he knew when Yom Kippur was, so that he may fast on Yom Kippur. Unfortunately, the man was out without a machzah. The prayer book was used on Yom Kippur. And was forced to pray by heart. The Yom Kippur prayers are not the average prayer that we pray a whole year. <coughs> we pray three times a day on a daily basis. And therefore, they were that much more difficult to remember and to commit to memory. One of the pismaid, one of the things that, one of the prayers of Yom Kippur that Mendel was able to remember by heart was V'chol Maminim. V'chol Maminim Shukai V'kayam V'chol Maminim Shudayinemes All believe, everyone believes, everyone believes. You know though, since he was so entrenched in this prayer because it was from the few that he remembered by heart he started to dig into this at the start to think what? what is it really? how can I say everyone believes I'm in prison now because of those Yevasexia those Jews that joined the Communist Party and because of their blood libel and because of what they said about me they got me arrested and they themselves put me into jail ruthlessly how then can I say that everyone believes and Emmanuel truly had a problem with this Mendel fasted through Yom Kippur got his small ration of bread and water and days went on but about three nights later after Yom Kippur Mendel was lying on his I guess you want to call it bed 
the cell was packed and he felt as if it was piercing through his head he felt two eyes staring at him and he turns over and he looks and lo and behold the two eyes are those of Ivan the notorious murderer the one that everyone in the entire prison feared for their lives from this is what I'm lacking this is what I'm missing in life now this murderer is going to soon chapters of to me he sees I'm Jewish and he's going to tear me limb to limb Nurab Mendel tried to put up the strongest heartfelt feelings that he could whatever good that was whatever good it helped And suddenly, even the likes of this Ivan wasn't brazen enough to come make noise in the middle of the night. But there was another thing behind this. Ivan, for some reason, did not want to make noise. He did not want anyone to hear what was going on. Which for Mendel did not bode well as far as he's concerned. Because if he's got a, he wants to do something quietly, that means that Mendel's in trouble. But again, Mendel tried to keep a stiff upper lip. And Ivan practically slithered his way over to Mendel's bed. And very quietly whispered, You're Jewish, right? And Mendel proudly said yes. Mendel would never, no matter what it put him into, would never deny being Jewish. Mendel said, yes, I'm Jewish. Ivan took his finger and pointed at his own chest and said, I am also Jewish. Needless to say that Mendel was beyond himself. Ivan, the murderer, is Jewish. Jewish. No more, no less. No. The man didn't know what to say. He was speechless. And as he's sitting there, Ivan continues. A few days ago, says Ivan, was Yom Kippur. Mendel says, yeah. And he says to the Mendel, you fasted on Yom Kippur. He says, yes. He says, I also fasted on Yom Kippur. Now Mendel was shocked. Ivan, the murderer, this Ritzeach, this Russian peasant, is telling him he fasted on Yom Kippur. No. He even told him it wasn't so simple. I couldn't fast here in the cell. I feigned an illness. I told the guards I wasn't feeling well. So the day before Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, before night, 
they took me to the infirmary. And now I was alone. I slept there at night. I woke up in the morning and I knew I'm going to be fasting the whole day. <coughs> then it occurred to me fasting in Yom Kippur was not all my Zayda did. My Zayda davened on Yom Kippur. He prayed on Yom Kippur. Ivan's going to pray also. But Ivan does not know how to pray. Ivan never learned anything. He never went to a cheder. Vuzal Avisen. Then I remembered that is Babishke. Every morning when she came to wake up this small Ivan She would say, Ivanke, not Ivan, whatever his name was, start his Yiddish name. My kind, Zog Tzizamid Babi, say together with Babi, Meida Ani Lefonecho, Melech Chai Vekayo. And he remembered repeating these words with his Babi every single morning. Gives to the Yankas. And every single morning he would say the Maidani. This was the only words of prayer that Ivan knew. And therefore he decided that today is Yom Kippur and he's going to pray all day. And he sat all day crying and saying, Maidani lefonecha melechai vekayom. A whole Yom Kippur. Till at night, when I broke my fast. Then said Ivan, with his finger in Mendel's face, Don't you ever dare tell anybody what I just told you. This remains between you and I. No one is to ever know. And Ivan slithered back into his own bed. And as he did so, the Mendel turned over, Ivan turned over in his direction and went to sleep right away. And the Mendel turned over and stayed with his thoughts. Every Jew believes. Whether it's Yevisexia, whether it's Ivan in the prison, the murderer, the mass murderer that everyone feared, that everyone was petrified from, whether it be the Chosid, whether it be Rebbe, V'chol Maminim Shuchai V'kayim, everyone believes. Someone says to Rebbe, Rebbe is a holy Jew. Rebbe is a very holy person. Rebbe deals with the problems and the concerns of the entire world. For Chassidim, the Rebbe carries on his shoulders 
the weight of the entire Kal Yisrael, the entire Jewish nation. Someone once asked the Rebbe, after a visit or before a visit from one of these politicians, who was actually a Pashi Yisrael, was not religious, and he asked the Rebbe, Pachamu, why do you do this? Why do you lower yourself to deal with these people? Don't you have better things to do? And the Rebbe said, A Jew wakes up in the morning, he goes to the bathroom, he shaves, he showers, he runs to the kitchen, he turns on the radio to hear the news while he's making his coffee and his breakfast. <laughs> he hears on the radio, Yom Kippur Hayom. Today is the holiest day of the year by the Jews. It's Yom Kippur. And he says, Oivei, I have a seat in shul. I paid for a seat. I better get over there. And he grabs his coffee and he runs out to the car and he drives to shul. He leaves the coffee in the car, he runs into the shul. He finds a yarmulke there on the side. Slaps it on his head, grabs a book of some sort, and sits down in the shul. And he starts pondering, where is everybody holding? Where are they looking? He's looking around. And he opens and he turns the maksa to this page, to that page, back and forth. He even says a word or two. He says, God, I know it's in Kippur, forgive me. And all of a sudden, he says, <laughs> I have a crazy meeting in my office. That's going to make me millions. Here I am already in shul for 15 minutes. I forgot about my meeting. He closes the maksa. He runs to the door. puts down the maksa. Puts back the yarmulke. Runs back into his car. Grabs his coffee. Runs to his office. Said the Rebbe. Do you have any idea the value of those 15 minutes to God? How much God values those 15 minutes that this person gave on Yom Kippur the culmination of the Aseris of the 10 days of repentance the holiest day of the year and this Jew in his whole busy schedule found himself 15 minutes to go to Shul on Yom Kippur so the Rebbe you don't know how great that is for the Abishtah. That this Jew showed up for 15 minutes in Shul. The Tfila of Rosh Hashanah, of Asayasim Echuvan Avim Kippur, is something that we prepare the entire Chedish El to be able to reach a proper level to be able to do what we need and to ask God what we want and therefore although I didn't do it in the beginning of this year 
I'd like to remind everybody that our shir is dedicated for Rafua Shalema, for Eliza Shalama's Bracha, Batsrachal Hinda. May she have a Rafua Shalema Kreva. May she merit to raise her children and to take them all to the Chuppah. And as Jews pray together, they can accomplish more than anything else. Amongst the many things in the Pashas and Tzavim Vayelech, all 70 Psukim, Moshe says, (laughs) Look what I'm wearing here. Bemeya ve'esim shona anechi hayem. I am 120 years today. I can no longer go or come. Rashi explains Mesha is now implying today my days, my years have become complete. On this very day, which was the seventh day of other. I was born, and on this day, says Meshe Rabbeinu, he will die. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara Mesech Kedushin, Daflamel Ches Amir Aleph, 38, side 1, explains, Hayyim, this day, <coughs> doesn't need to say it, it does not need to be written here. The man of Esrim Shana Neichi, and Leyuchal Eidlot says Halavi. To add the word Hayyim is superfluous. So why is it stated? Says the Gemara. It teaches us that God sits and completes the years of the righteous from day to day and month to month. Doctor Rebbe writes in Tanya. In the Geras Hakedish, Beirich of Zion, that Sadik passes away, and his soul is no longer confined to the physical body. To his physical space, then at that point, his disciples, his Chassidim, his followers can connect to him more than ever before. Because now not only are they being influenced by his holy words, by his holy motions, by his holy nuances, but now they're being influenced by his essence, the holy essence of the tzaddik. And as his soul ascends higher and higher, he goes higher and higher in Ganadin. The tzaddik has more and more to give us. Us as the chassidim, us as his servant, the servants of God. We can now reach out to the tzaddik's divine, to his teda and his divine worship.
because this now can reach further than ever before. When one thinks about this climb, that the tzaddik is climbing, the spiritual climb, this causes <coughs> thoughts of repentance, good deeds. And therefore his disciples, his chassidim, follow in his way. And this is the significance of a tzaddik passing away on the day that he is born. The birthday commemorates the person's arrival in the world. The person arrives in the world and has his contribution to the existence of the world. Why does this world exist? Because God wanted, had a mission, has a mission for each and every person, each and every creation. And therefore, the person that's being born now, coming into the world, is embarking on their mission, on his or her mission. By a tzaddik, we see the greatness of his birth when he passes away. Because now we connect directly with his essence. And that's why God sees to it to complete the years of the righteous by day to day and month to month. So that his yard is synonymous with his birthday. The whole greatness of the birthday only goes into effect when the person passes away. And so when we find ourselves connected to the Rebbe, connected to the essence of the Rebbe, whereas only when we stood in front of the Rebbe physically in 770, or anywhere else that we stood in front of the Rebbe, listening to the Rebbe's talks, receiving a blessing, receiving a dollar. We were limited to our actual connection. We considered ourselves mikusher, bound to the Rebbe, but it was in a limited fashion. It was in limited to within the physical refines, confines of the goof. Although we knew that that body was very, very, very holy, no one would dare touch the Rebbe. But in essence, the essence of the Rebbe, we only see now and hear now and feel now. And therefore it's only apropos that a chassid dress like a chassid, walk like a chassid, talk like a chassid, act like a chassid, but not just as a chassid, but like a chassid in front of the Rebbe physically, as you are standing now facing the Rebbe. The Rebbe's essence is within you, is upon you, is in front of you.
this Sunday, anyone listening? Actually, this Sunday the women have the schus to go into the Rebbe's room at 7.30. Um, it's very, very, very recommended to go in before Hashanah. The Rebbe was very, very open to the women and always wanted before Yom Tiv that the women come before the Rebbe. We don't know what we accomplish with the prayers and sometimes we don't know what our tzaddikim accomplish. I believe Yitzhak and Badichev was the Baltakea in his show. He blew the Shefer on Rosh Hashanah. One year, Yitzhak, the arbitrator, the lawyer of Klai Yisrael, was tardying. He was tardying to go up onto the bima. He was not rushing to go onto the bima to begin the service of Kia Shefer, of the blowing of the Shefer. Finally, the Levitzchak pulled himself up onto the bima, reached into his pocket, and took out a lock of hair. And he raised up the lock of hair and he started to pray with more fervor than he'd been praying the entire day. With more zeth, with more power, with more devotion. And then the Levitzchuk put the lock of hair on his bima, on the table in front of him visibly was very, very happy and he went on to blow the Shefer later that day in the evening when they sat down to the meal one of the chassidim got the strength got the courage to ask what happened there and the Heleke Badichev told him the following. There was a horrific decree against the Jewish nation. Pogroms and, and what not. This was supposed to be one of the most horrific years of punishment to the Jews. And I gathered a few weeks ago with many tzaddikim as we saw what was going on and we davened together we fasted together we did whatever we could to try to nullify this decree without success yesterday my preparations for Rosh Hashanah I was feeling very dejected very down thinking what kind of horrific year there was in store for the Jews I started to think what other mitzvah can I possibly find that can nullify this decree and I began to wander I walked and walked the streets and I walked into the poorest quarter of the city 
And I came to the most dilapidated shed. I just knocked on the door randomly. And there stood a woman. And she saw me and she started to tremble. Why is the tzaddik coming to see me? What have I done? Is it true I'm going to be blamed for this? Levi Yitzchak said, Will you let me in? And she finally lets in Levi Yitzchak. And she sits down and begins to tremble. And she says, Rabbi, I have to tell you a story. When I was a young girl, my parents had an inn. They hardly meet Tariq living from it. But they worked very, very different, very hard, very difficult hours. Unfortunately, both my parents fell ill the same year. And within months apart, they both passed away. Leaving it all on my head. Of course, I was a young child of 16 years old. There was no way that I could keep this afloat. But as days went on, I saw that the debt was only getting worse and that the parrots was getting more and more irate. I decided I had only one other choice to go to the parrots' house and to beg and plead that it give me more time to establish to set myself up put together the money that's needed to pay him that's owed him I put on my best clothing I braided my hair and I left and I came before the parrots trembling and I began to cry and I told him my sorrow story of my parents demise and of the financial strains and I begged him, please, please, give me more time. Paritz looked at me, and like a typical guy, stood up, started to come at me. A young, fair, pretty girl, Jewish girl, and he wanted, was looking to have his way with me. As soon as I saw him, and I saw that look in his eyes, and the way he was talking, I booked, I started running through the door. And he pulled himself together, he composed himself, and said, wait, 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 stop, stop. Come back here. And he said, he asked, what can I do? How can I help you? He says, listen to me. Stay here with me. Live in my palace. Sleep on my beds. The roof over your head will be mine. The food will be mine. I will give you everything. She said, I can't. Can't marry you. I'm Jewish. Paris though was so enthralled with her 
He says, you know what? Let me touch your braid. Let me hold it in my hand and kiss it. And with that I will abolish most of the debt and the other rest of the part you can pay me whatever you want. 16 years old I was. Rebbe, please, I was only a mere young child. I turned and he took in my in his hands my braid. He held it and he kissed it. Rebbe, I ran out of there. I ran as fast as my feet could carry me. As I arrived home, I immediately took a scissors and cut my braid off. I said, I'm not taking advantage of what I just did. I'm not going to gain anything from what he had just done to me. And therefore, I left my home. I went to the next city, a few cities over, and there I hired myself as a maidservant. I worked as a maidservant for many years. I met my husband, and we married. Unfortunately, my husband fell very ill and died quite young. And Rabbi, I feel it's my fault. I feel it's because I let the parrots touch my hair. Rabbi Yitzchak saw how sincere the tshuva, the repentance in this woman's heart. And he asked her, My child, where is that braid? Do you still have that braid? I said, yes, Rabbi, I do. So would you give it to me, please? And so, I acquired that braid. My tired kinder said the Levitz before I blew Schaefer, I took that braid out of my pocket and I raised it up to heaven. And I prayed, God Almighty, protect the Jewish children in the merit of this braid, abolish any decrees. And so, I saw in heaven the decree was indeed abolished in the merit of this braid. And therefore, I was happy and I was able to blow Schaefer. We said before that there's two parshas this week, Mitzavim and Vayelech. In the beginning of Vayelech, it says, Vayelech Meisha, Meisha went Vayedabes Yisrael, and spoke these words to the Jews. Targum Yenison says something very Yenison excuse me, says something very interesting. Vayelech Meisha means Meisha went out to the Mishkan, the Bet Upana, to the Mishmetich, which meant to say 
that before Moshe taught anything, he checked again in the Torah what he was about to say. We see something very, very strange here. Mesha tended sometimes to forget things. But as I'll tell, tell us, that betchila Mesha lama teda mishkacha matana. In the beginning, Mesha was taught teda and learned teda and forget it until God gave it to him as a gift. Sigimara, checking and keeping score at home. It's Nedarim Lametches Amar Aleph Barim. Thirty-eight, side one. And even his Talmud Yeshua is a Yamaka. Remembered everything that he learned. But the Yamaka says, "B'shoshin nifter Meisha Rabbeinu legan Eden." When Meisha Rabbeinu went up to Gan Eden, Amalei the Yeshua he went up to he said to Yeshua, "Shall me many calls fake as he yeshdecho." Ask me any question. Amalei Rebbe, he said to him, Rebbe, Klum enachticho shachas velachti lemokemacha. Modern Tmura, 16 side 1. Nothing that I forget, nothing on the side. But everything that Moshe had was in completion, was in perfection. He remembered each and everything now. Because of the gift that he was given. But still in all Tzvayelech Moshe, he went to look first in the books before he spoke. From here we learn that every single Jew, every single rabbi, before you pass anything, you say any kind of psakdin, you need to look it up first and check it again and again. And in the nature of the human being, if you'll see somebody try this experiment... On, on the street if you see somebody look at their watch or their phone for the time as soon as they put their hand on ask them what time it is you'll see they look at the watch again <laughs> so the person always makes cross references again does not rely necessarily on his memory but we ask therefore the almighty remember all the good that we did this year but forget anything that we did wrong and write us, inscribe us all in the book of life. And we wish each and every Jew Ksiva, Tachasima, Teva, Shana, Teva, Mesuka. And may we merit this Rosh Hashanah to hear the Shefer, the Shefer, Godel, the Shefer of Mashiach, the Kenu, the Yerushalayim.